Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome to the podcast. I'm with Colin Exby, with, who is the founder and president of Celestial Wealth Management in Baltimore. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me on, Gary. So uh, what made you want to pursue a career in financial advising business? Wow, that's going way back. Um, well, uh, I think I've always been interested in numbers and people will tell me generally that I'm a math geek. Uh, I was a massive baseball card collector when I was a kid and it's amazing how you know, doing investment, you're essentially investing money at that, you know, early time frame and dealing with numbers. And so I always kind of have an affinity, I think, for it. Uh, my uncle is actually in the business as well uh, out in Oregon. And uh, when I was in, a, in, in high school, I started talking more and more to him about what he was doing, went into college, uh, really had an interest in finance and economics, got my bachelor's uh, from Salisbury University over on the Eastern Shore, Go Goals. Uh, in, um, you know, in, in business and finance and economics and uh, went to work with him uh, for a summer when out on the West Coast and really, really enjoyed uh, the, the process of working with individuals in helping them, you know, attempt and, and try to reach their financial goals. So uh, I, I decided to go directly into the business right out of college. So, you know, looking back, you know, knowing what you know now, looking back, um, what do you wish you would have known when you first started out? The number one thing is I thought I was prepared with finance and economics concentrations. And really, I probably should have had a psychology degree. Because, you know, when you're dealing with people and their businesses and their money, it's highly emotional. And there's been an entire kind of sub subculture that's developed uh, behavioral finance and behavioral economics and how people make financial decisions. And that, you know, these assumptions that have gone into a lot of models that that humans are rational. It's a good assumption to make. But a lot of times, as we find out, that's not always the case. So I think a, a, a nice advantage if I, if I was doing it again would have been to, su to study some of that as well, rather than having to learn it along the way. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've definitely found that sometimes it, it definitely feels like, uh, you know, when you sit down with the client, you're really sitting there and uh, playing referee between uh, between husband and wife on, on some of the decisions that they have to make. So what are some of the uh, questions that um, clients or potential clients should really be asking you and they don't? It's a really good question. Um, you know, the, the, I guess if you are looking for uh, a financial advisor to work with and to partner with, you know, there's so much information out there uh, across the internet, across TV, friends, family, coworkers, you know, where you're getting your information from, I think is really important. And, you know, one of the questions to ask is, and it's a buzzword in the industry is, are you a fiduciary? 
And a lot of people just don't understand what that word means. And the very basics of it mean that when we're working with clients, we're acting in their best interests. And if you're working with, um, you know, or taking advice from friends and family, you know, they have their own, you know, bias that's based on, you know, their, their situation and, and what might work for them, you know, might not work for you. And so I, I think really having, you know, somebody that you can team with, that you can partner with, that has your best interest at heart is really, really important. And in my industry, uh, you know, more on the financial side, you know, you've got your, your insurance agents and you've got your brokers, which uh, are not generally held to the, to the fiduciary standard. Uh, then you've got a financial advisor who generally has additional licenses that allow them to provide advice for a fee. Uh, and, but at the same time, they might also be doing uh, business that is not on the fiduciary standard. When you're working with a certified financial planner, which myself and my team uh, we're all certified financial planners. You're required and held to a higher standard uh, by the CFP board to always be working with your clients in their best interests. I think that's a really important question to be asking, uh, you know, as you as you're looking for someone to work with. Well, in in that, just kind of dovetailing off of that. So, um, you know, when you're when you're looking to hire somebody that's a, a CFP. Uh, what are some of the, the things that people should look for? Um, I think you want experience and you want a background, but at the same time in, in our industry, I believe the, the average age of a financial advisor is around 58. Uh, and there's almost a quarter that are north of 66. So there's a lot of our industry that is going to be retiring reasonably soon, I would think, within the next decade. Uh, and so I think you want to be working with someone that is not, you know, one or two years in the business that's been around, that's been through some things, have seen some things, but at the same time is there to help guide you to retirement and through retirement. Because I, you know, in my opinion, the last thing that you want is to have the advisor that you're trusting your your life savings to retiring at the exact same time you are. So that's that's something that I would definitely take a look at. Um, also, how do they run their business? I mean, this this uh, situation that we're working in right now with the the quarantining and the you know we're having to work from home. You know, how adaptable is is their business? Are they able to work virtually? Are they able to work with you when you're able to, to meet? I mean, the, you know, our business, um, I guess in 2016 is when we went virtual uh, and I'm almost entirely virtual at this point. So thankfully it had prepared us ahead of time for a situation like this. We didn't think it was gonna be a pandemic, but at the same time, you know, we're able to, you know, not spend hours driving to appointments and to meetings back and forth and getting stressed on the DC Beltway and the Baltimore Beltway, which I'm sure you're well aware of. Uh, you know, usually you got to take 20 minutes just to kind of calm down after sitting through all that traffic. This way, we're able to meet with people. They're able to be at their business or at their home where they're most comfortable, and we're able to have a more candid conversation. So I think having a firm that uses technology and adapts with technology, that's really important as well. Right. So in talking with your clients and, you know, everybody's got their, their big fears and things like that. How do you, um, 
how do you address those with them and help them help help ease the pain with them and, and calm them? Well, I mean, that goes back to kind of the, the psychology thing. Um, there's a book that I have on my desk back here. You can't see it, uh, but it's called The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. And I thought it was a really great book. He's a, he owns a number of different successful businesses. Uh, and I, we took part of that book and, and use it in our training for business owners. And it's essentially to stop paying the tax on stupid. And, you know, we talked you know, off air about how investing and how working with your, your financial planning can be highly emotional. And when your emotional level is heightened, your financial IQ goes down. And so, you know, a lot of what I think people can do is if they learn, we're all going to make financial mistakes. We all do. But if we can learn from them and then in the future, hopefully minimize the chance of making them, that can have an outsized impact on, you know, your net worth and your financial planning for the future. Because if we just think about, uh, and I would encourage your listeners to think about, go, go back over the, you know, over your history and think of the three worst financial decisions that you made. And if you could go back in time and you could redo those financial decisions and how much more money you would have if you had not done them, for a lot of people, it's a heck of a lot of money. So if we can focus more on, you know, if we're reducing the chances of having these really big mistakes, I think that that can have a really outsized impact on people's net worth. And really, it's just taking a step back, taking a deep breath, doing a little bit more due diligence on you know, what we're doing in our businesses and, and also in our investments. You know, a lot of people, I think they, they look at the positives of if I'm going to make this decision in my business, how much better is it going to get? Or if I'm going to make this investment, how much money can I make? Less people think about what the downside is of, okay, what if it doesn't work out? What if my new partnership with, you know, a business partner goes awry? You know, how do I protect myself in that situation? If I make this investment and I lock up my money for a certain period of time, you know, what happens if I need that money or it goes wrong? And so assessing both the, the positive side of it and then what the negative side of it, I think are really important. But, the, but to take that a step further, and I think that not as many people do this, is if you know what the upside is and you know what the downside is, then are you willing to live with that downside? And if you're able to live with that downside, once you know the upside, then I think you can go ahead and make those financial decisions. So I think it's just spend more time thinking and being diligent about what you're doing to reduce those chances of making the larger mistakes is really important. Right. So, so with that, and it's in regards there. So what, um, what are the most common mistakes that you see your, your clients make um, when it comes to tax savings? Uh, let's see, I guess, there's a couple of different directions that you can go. Um, one is not thinking about things in a holistic sense and, you know, thinking about only taxes or only rate of return. You know, a lot of times money managers will talk about how much money they've made over, over a period of time or what their returns were per year, but it's always in a gross sense. It's not, you know, after taxes. And, you know, it's great if you're making 30% a year, but if you're giving away, you know, half of that, 
to taxes, then what's really the point of taking on that risk? You know, so I think looking at things in a more holistic sense is, is really important on the tax side. Um, a second thing that I'll see is, you know, people run their business and generally run it well. Successful business owners know how to run a business, but they don't treat their personal finances like a business. And really, you can be the, you know, you want to be the CFO of your personal finances as well. So why don't you implement a lot of the same things you do in your business on the personal side? Uh, and I think if you if you if people did that and thought of their own finances more like a business, they would see where they're leaking money that they might not normally do so. A third thing I think is that I don't see as much um, tax diversification. I guess is the best way I would call it. Uh, you know, we see that on the investment side, right? You're always taught to be diversified, to spread your money out. Um, across different types of asset classes. And, and generally you do that, you have you know, smoother returns over time. But on the tax side, I see less tax diversification out of you know, a lot of business owners, a lot of individuals, where the strategy generally has been defer, 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 defer into the future. Get your deductions now, get them now, get them now. Keep your rate low now, which I get because we're living for the now. So, you know, you only know what's happening right at this at this point. So let's save the money now. But what happens is you can potentially create tax bombs for yourself 10, 15, 20 years into the future because you're delaying this. And we have no idea what tax rates are going to be in the future. As you know, you know, right now, they're some of the lowest that we've had. So not taking advantage of these lower tax rights uh, rates through additional planning like Roth IRA conversions, as an example, especially with a down market like we had you know, earlier this year, the opportunity to move money from money that's never been taxed to accounts where you might pay some tax now to then not pay it ever in the future. You know, th those types of strategies are, are really good to use in a market that's moved down because the conversion amount is on a lower asset base. So you're paying lower taxes at the moment both on tax rates and what you're converting for the potential of future appreciation with no taxes. So, you know, thinking about how you can diversify yourself so that you're not deferring everything into some future date where you have no idea what tax rates are going to be. I think that could be a really important thing for people to consider as well. So really you're with that, you're talking about really looking at, um, you know, putting together a long-range plan and not just, hey, let's let's take care of today. Right, and and that's for all of us. That's extremely hard to do mm -hmm. because you know we want to live for today. So I get that. I do the same thing. You know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, and this uh, virus and everything that's going on is really. You know, I've seen people kind of take a new awareness to. You know, I might not be here tomorrow. And so you, you, you definitely want to be living for today. But if you're really trying to build a legacy for yourself, from your, for your family, for your grandchildren, it, it's a longer term runway. And I've seen the example of um, a jetliner uh, taking off from New York City and flying to California. And as it takes off, it's full of fuel, full of passengers, and it's working extremely hard to get up to cruising altitude. So it takes a heck of a lot to get it off the ground and get it up to cruising altitude. But once it starts cruising and the fuel drag levels off, 
the plane moves faster and more efficiently through the sky. And so if you think about that as, a, as an analogy to your net worth, to your financial planning, there's a heck of a lot of work done up front, building out a plan for the future and getting things off and running, getting compounding to work for you, getting your tax structure set up. But once you get that plan in place, you move a heck of a lot more efficiently through time, getting you where you want to go potentially faster than you would have before. Right. Would you know now with the, the experience that you have, you know, over these years and things like this, what um, I guess, what advice do you give now that you wouldn't have given when you first started out? Stop budgeting. And, and you might not want to hear that. Um, but I think one of the things that uh, is really important is to have a mindset that's not focused on scarcity. And this is all that I have. And to think more in a how can I grow things. And we have a, a saying at our company where we don't focus on the decimal points. We focus on the commas. So being, you know, a lot of times people will talk about, you know, the, you've probably heard David Back's Latte Factor book, which is a great book about how you could potentially cut out a Starbucks coffee every single day, save that four or five dollars invested in the in the markets. And over 35 years, you'll have some magical pot of money at the end. But nobody gets rich and creates a retirement plan by saving money, depriving themselves of a four dollar coffee while at the same time they're buying a $50,000 brand new car or they, you know, they are not structuring their mortgage correctly or they're wasting money in taxes each year that they shouldn't be paying if they've done proper planning. So they're focused on these small things. You know, there's a lot of people who are uh, cutting the cord on cable right now, right? With all these streaming services that are available and, and we're streaming a lot of them right now when we can't leave our homes. But people focused on, okay, I can save a couple, you know, $20 a month by, you know, cutting the cord and that will add up over time. But again, spending too much on taxes, leaking money out in, in other areas, not uh, contributing to re retirement plans correctly, not focusing on those bigger numbers, I think is a really big mistake that, you know, people get caught up in the minutia of every day, focusing on those decimal points instead of focusing on commas. So you really so if I'm hearing you, you're you're saying don't get caught up on I'm gonna say your pots of money that you have, but you still need to watch your spending and what you're doing to to not being uh, wasteful. Correct. So you know when I say don't budget, what I'm talking about is don't scrimp and be focused on the smaller stuff because the the bigger expenses that you have. Um, and taxes are generally one of the largest expenses that people have, you know, spending more time there figuring out how you could potentially lower those taxes is a much better use of time and resources, I think, and, and you know, working with someone like yourself to figure that out, than, you know, focusing on these small expenses that you have every single day. Now, the caveat being, if you're spending more than you make, then you probably need to have a little bit more focus there. Okay. So what, um, who, who's your, um, ideal client? What, what is, what does your ideal client look like? So we work with, uh, business owners and corporate executives and their families. Uh, typically on the, since I know, you know, this show is more on the business owner's side of things, uh, for business owners, it's not startup business. 
It's businesses that have gotten up, gotten over the hump and become successful, but the owner is generally doing too many things at once. And um, you know, when you grow to the point where you're not able to run the business and your finances for the business and, the, um, and your personal finances at the same time, that's really when you want to look to potentially hire somebody and delegate. Um, I think, you know, a mistake a lot of people make, like we said earlier about not treating your personal finances like a business, um, is sometimes people will do things to save themselves money and try to do more things themselves and not focusing on what they're good at. And generally what a business owner is good at is running their business, bringing in customers and making money through the business. And so if I'm able to, to come in and help that business owner um, improve and maximize their cash flow. You know, work with their attorneys and their CPAs to find out what are the holes in the financial plan. What are the risks out there that you have that you're not even aware of? What are the questions that you don't think to ask? You know, the, generally, it's not a startup that has those questions. It's a business that's got up and running. Uh, and you know, we work with a lot of solo entrepreneurs and and people who run virtual businesses that are doing. 400,000 to a million and a half of revenue, but they've only got one or two employees. So it's a very high margin business um, that's very cash rich. And so it's kind of, it's, it, there's a lot of focus on how do we manage that cash flow? How do we lower taxes? How do we maximize what we're planning for retirement? And how do we protect our families from the unknown? And I, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, I guess it's not funny that we're dealing with this, um, this virus right now and everything that's, that's associated with it because a lot of businesses, their revenue has literally gone to zero, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's gone to zero, as opposed to a recession where your business just goes down, you're running in all kinds of contingency plans of how do we do things? Well, as part of the process and the five-step process that we use in working with our clients in identifying where the potential risks are, we'll talk about, you know, what if your, what if your business burned down? You know, how, how would that impact things? Because you'd have no revenue coming in. Or what if your, your key employee who's in charge of 98% of your sales ends up going to a competitor? You know, you just lost 98% of your sales. How do you replace that? That's actually kind of similar to the situation that we're in right now because all of a sudden you've got no sales. So how do you keep the business afloat until you can right the ship? So I, you know, I think I've gotten a little off track here, but with who do we work with? It's the people that have those kinds of issues and they're wondering how, how they can figure it out. What are they missing? What do they not know? And, you know, those people that are, that are willing and able to partner with someone that can kind of take some of the burden off of them. So this, ideal client that you're just talking about that's that's out there that isn't your client yet um what's the what would be the first step you would tell them uh tell them to take well i would say that the first thing is that i've got a training that is is live out there it's free for people it's about 35 minutes long um and it's at my website at celestialwealthmanagement.com forward slash biz owner b-i-z owner dash go. And if you type that in, then you put in your email address and your first name and immediately it accesses this video. And it's got five things that you can do right now to start setting yourself up for the future. So before meeting with anybody, 
I tell people to go there and you get an idea of who I am, who, who, what I believe in, what the firm believes in, how we work. You get a good idea of that up front. And then if, if you like where it's going and it's piqued your curiosity, you can schedule time uh, to meet with us and, and decide you know, what direction you want to go. So what's your biggest challenge that you're, that you're facing right now? Um, right now it's, it's continuing to focus our business and our clients on the long term, and not get focused on the day-to-day news cycle that is going on. Um, cause obviously there's a lot of negativity out there. And if you, if you continue to listen to it, it can help it, you can curl up in a ball. Uh, and you know, again, going back to that scarcity mindset of, you know, I think that's a lot of why that toilet paper hoarding was going on is that we have this like this need to protect and need to do something. And we did a webinar last week with a lot of our clients where we were talking about, you know, that's from like a primal level, right. Of, of way back in caveman time of, you know, wanting to protect yourself and your family. And when you're not in control of anything and we're not in control of this virus, we're not in control of this, you know, self-mandated quarantine, you reach out and you want to try to control something. And so one of the easiest things to do is to go to the, you know, go to the grocery store and buy a whole bunch of toilet paper so you feel like you're protecting yourself. But also, you know, on the investment portfolio side, it's this need to want to tinker with your portfolio and kind of get in there and make changes because you feel like you need to be doing something. And in general, that's probably the wrong thing to be doing. If you've got a good long-term plan set up, it's more of use the crisis as an opportunity, stick with that long-term plan. And it's hard to think three, five, 10, 15 years from now, when you're seeing people coming down with this virus and people that you know dying and things like that, it's just really, it's really hard, both at just a human level and also on a financial planning level. So I think that's the biggest struggle right now. Okay. What's the, uh, what would you say is the best advice that you've ever been given? Treat my personal finances like a business. Um, okay. I, I think I, I didn't used to do that and our family didn't used to do that. Uh, and we, we, we kept them generally separate. And, um, you know, this whole pay yourself first, profit first mentality is something that we've really, um, subscribe to and I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I think that's really the biggest thing is like, you know, my family is a business and my wife and I, and what we do for our children, it's a, it's a business. The finance side of it is a business. So treat it that way. So I think that was really good advice. And, and I've actually you know, taken hold of doing that. And now I teach it as well. Right. Good. Um, what would you like to share with our audience um, that I haven't haven't asked yet? I mean, you talk about team approach, right? I mean, you know what? Um, when when you look at that and uh, in talking with your clients and stuff like that, what what are the uh, who are the members of the team that you try to get them to have? I think that's a that's a really good segue. Um, you know, as, as you were asking that questions, I started thinking about putting the best players you can on the field 
Uh, and it, you know, I, I played basketball in college. I'm a big sports guy. Um, and so I'm disappointed that the NCAA tournament was canceled, <laughs> but a lot of times the teams that win that title, yeah, they might have one or two future pros on the team, but it's generally a cohesive unit that works well together, both on offense and on defense. And it's rarely the team that has one or two guys uh, and, or they're really good at offense and they're horrible at defense or they're really good at defense and they're horrible at offense. It's, it's like a, it's a group effort. And so I think your segue there is, is a good one of, you know, investing in coaching, investing in a team around you that's bringing experts together that they can all work together. So like having a bookkeeper um, that's focused on bookkeeping, having the CPA that is, you know, that is, that is good for you and your business. You know, there's a lot of really good CPAs out there, but you know, like financial advisors, there's a lot of good financial advisors out there, but their focus can be different. You know, one financial advisor might work specifically with retirees. So they might not really be knowing all the ins and outs of business owners. Same thing with a CPA. They might work really well with someone who has a heck of a lot of stock options through you know, corporate plans. And so they're really good at that, but they're not as good at, with an individual business owner who's got you know, 15 employees. And so you know, finding the financial advisor and the CPA that focuses on who you are, I think that's really important. And then of course the legal side, you know, having a good um, attorney that's, you know, again, focused on where you're trying to go, but then making sure that they're all on the same page, right? And we were kind of talking about that a little bit beforehand about, um, you know, the, the really successful clients that we have, they are open uh, with their, they're not hiding things. Uh, they are looking for a diagnosis. They're looking for help leading them along the way. And they're, they're, willing to have multiple people involved to collaborate, to, to help them along the way rather than relying on one or two people. So for, for all our audience, um, if they want to, you know, learn more about you and, you know, your, your firm and to contact you, what do they need to do? Well, first uh, I would say, you know, I run a blog called see the forest through the trees.com. And in this environment where we're trying to help people as much as possible, we're trying to get content out uh, that's, that's towards business owners, but also towards individuals as well. So check out the YouTube page, uh, See the Forest Through the Trees, as well as the, the blog, SeeTheForestThroughTheTrees.com. And you can get a good idea of kind of the, the pro thought process and what we're doing. And then, uh, you know, that free training, you know, I, I think that's the best place to go is, again, at CelestialWealthManagement.com forward slash biz owner, B-I-Z-O-W-N-E-R dash go, um, and take a look at that and, and see what you think. Okay. Um, thank you very much for your time today. Um, this has been Colin with Celestial Wealth Management, and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, and uh, I was glad to be here. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.